Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe.
Hey, Mike. Oh, did you get my message? No. Yeah, can you call me like 405? Because I'm about ready to go to a parking garage. We have to talk to the guys, so it's going to interrupt us. Uh, if we can start at 205, probably best. What do you want to do? I need to come. I'm, I'm, I'm going into a parking garage in Fordham, and I'm going to need to talk to the attendant at like exactly 1201. So, I mean, I just, if you can call me at 1205, that'd be better. No problem. All right, I appreciate it. No problem. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Howard David Live. We're going to take a bite of the Big Apple today with a couple of guys that you may be familiar with. Mike Vaccaro of the New York Post and former uh, NFL lineman Randy Cross. Before we go to Mike, I watched Kansas City and the Giants last night, and I watched uh, Jets and Cincinnati on Sunday, and it was a marked contrast between the two games from the New York team's perspective. Number one, last night I saw a team playing not to lose. On Sunday, I saw a team playing to win, and there's a big difference. And it, look, I understand the play of a conservative coach uh, that you, you try not to turn the ball over, and it's a cre critical thing, and I get that. But Kansas City was made what, what was a team that could have been had last night. And the Giants decided not to go for the throat. They went the conservative route. And I lay it on their offensive coordinator, Jason Garrett. Now, I know Jason a long time. I think he's a very intelligent man first, Princeton guy. Uh, number two, he's a very astute football coach. Having said that, Coaches have an instinct, some kind of an instinct where they, uh, they have gut feelings about certain things. And I understand that as well. But you had a team last night that was coming in with a losing record. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs were a team that was, was sitting, believe it or not, at the bottom of the AFC West at three and four. Patrick Mahomes was not getting protection. And I'm not laying it on Patrick Mahomes because he needs help from his offensive line. He needs help from his receivers and so on. But you had uh, the Giants defense. It's not bad. It really isn't. You had a chance to get after Patrick Mahomes and force some things. And they played it too conservative to the point of where I'm sitting there watching the game. And I'm showing you how dumb I am. I'm screaming at the television set. Go for the throat. Don't play gutless football. And they did. They did. They played gutless football. They played like they were afraid. The Jets, by contrast, you had a, not only a backup quarterback in Mike White, but you had a guy that was a fifth-round draft choice by the Giants like four years ago. By the uh, Dallas Cowboys, rather. Four years ago. And he had to start the game on Sunday against the red-hot Cincinnati Bengals team. What happened? You know what happened. You know the results. But you had a hot quarterback in Joe Burrow. You had a hot wide receiver in Jamar Chase. And you beat him. Not only did you beat him, but you overcame an 11-point deficit. Because the Jets played, but we have nothing to lose. 
So go for the throat. And I credit Mike LaFleur, the offensive coordinator. He played a smart game. He gave the ball to Mike White and said, here, you're not going to beat yourself. We're going to help you. Mike White completed the first nine passes. I don't think the first nine passes, I don't think any one pass exceeded 12 yards. Everything was short. Short passes for the entire time. And he completed them. And he got a lot of help from a variety of receivers. So the Jets came away with a win and beat a Cincinnati Bengals team that at the time, when the day started, they were the number one seed in the AFC. Consider this, the Jets have two wins. One against Tennessee with, well, until you got hurt all, all this past weekend, Derrick Henry, uh, probably a likely MVP candidate running back, a bruiser, and they, they neutralized him, forced Ryan Tannehill to beat him. The Jets won the game. And then, <laughs> Sunday, in the most improbable game of the day, where three backup quarterbacks wound up winning games. In New Orleans, in New Orleans it, was, it, it was Trevor Simeon that had a fill-in for Jameis Winston who got knocked out of the game and now was lost for the season with a torn ACL. And then, you had Mike White. And we, what he was able to do I just thought the whole day, I mean, you, I'm sitting there watching, I watch Red Zone a lot, so this is where I get a, an understanding of a lot of games that are going on in addition to the main game that I'm watching. But I had my family at the Jet game watching the game in the stadium, and my grandson was on the field carrying one of those poles that they have uh, that the, the, the players ran out onto the field between two flag bearers, and my grandson happened to be one of them. So that, that was kind of a special thing. And maybe I catch a glimpse of him, you know, doing something there, you know, actually sitting there on the field. But I'm sitting there and I'm watching this game and I'm thinking to myself, there's something great, screwy going on here today. And I can't figure out exactly what is going on, but here I'm about to really take a look. And we bring in Mike Vaccaro of the New York Post. Mike, I started uh, doing opening the podcast by talking about a contrast in games between the Giants and the Jets and the difference that I saw in the two games from just from observing the attack and the Jets played to win, the Giants played not to lose from an oversimplification standpoint. I thought Michael LaFleur, the offensive coordinator of the Jets, deserves as much credit as Mike White, the quarterback, and I thought that I, I'm not laying it on Daniel Jones last night, but I got to lay it on Jason Garrett, the offensive coordinator. He played way too conservatively. Yeah, I would agree with that, Howard. I mean, it looked like, uh, uh, I mean, there really were times and it just seemed like the Giants were happy not to be getting blown out. And that's a, that's a hard way to live, as you know. <laughs> it's hard to, uh, it's hard to uh, you know, finish off a game like that, and the Giants proved that. Because it was just, uh, it was just a difficult, you know, way to. If you, if, you, if you want the Giants to win, and I think most people care about the Giants, are not in tank mode yet. They like, they prefer to see the Giants win. It just looked like they didn't take the the bull by the horn, so to speak. Well, it was a game that could have been gotten. The Chiefs are not the same team that we've seen in the last couple of years for a variety of reasons. Number one, their defense is not up to par. Number two, their offensive line is still what it needs to be. Um, 
and Patrick Mahomes is, is running around uh, because he's not getting the protection he needs. But look, the Kansas City Chiefs before last night were three and four in the division. They were at the bottom of the AFC West, which nobody expected, right? No, I mean, and they were really struggling, and they were really there to be had. I mean, uh, you know, it's it's remarkable. I mean, you know, for the last five, six years, they've pretty much been bulletproof at home, and they just will, you know, can, can occasionally, it seems like, you know, lay a beating on you whenever they want to, but that hasn't been the case at all this year. They were vulnerable, and look, I mean, for most of the game, the Giants did exactly what they had to do. I mean, they took away the long ball. Uh, they, 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 they forced this, this Chiefs to try and be patient, more patient than they want to be. And when you do that, they're, 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 they're prone to making mistakes. They made a couple, which really should have helped the Giants out. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's one of those games that's going to be, especially as a fan, I mean, you think, you think back on you're like, well, you know, I suppose if you want to take away the fact that, uh, you know, they didn't get blown out. But, I mean, you, I think we're way past the point of moral victories with the Giants. And you don't really you, you don't really settle for those in in football anyway. So it's it's a uh, it was a very discouraging effort I thought all the way around to be honest with you. Mike Vaccaro, the New York Post, taking a bite of the Big Apple with Mike. I thought one of the plays that drives me up a wall, Mike, is you need four yards for first down, and you throw and you throw a two yard pass. Drives me up a wall. You want you need four yards, throw it four yards. Yeah, you and Mike, you and Michael Strahan both, Howard, because I don't know if you watched the uh, the Manning cast version of that game, but uh, the game, I, the, the play you're, you're referring to, uh, it, you know, right before in the, in the huddle, Strahan said the same, said the same thing. Basically, asked, you know, as a as a as a guy who played defense his whole life, he asked the Manning brothers, you know, why would you even call that play? And I think he spoke for a lot of fans. And uh, sure enough, the very next play, I mean, you know, third and four. <coughs> excuse me, Daniel Jones throws the ball. Two and a half yards, and you know it's, it doesn't really accomplish a whole lot. Yeah, you, you talked about the, the Manning brothers and and this this cute little thing they've got going on now on ESPN. I think it's humorous to a point, but I got to tell you, I'm watching Peyton Manning wolf down a piece of chicken, and it made me sick. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a man who gets his money's worth with his food. There's no doubt about that. I guess so. Look, the Giants last night. I'm watching this Devonte Booker. This kid's a playmaker. He got 65 yards receiving, 60 yards rushing. Why not use him more? Yeah, it's one of the, I think, a uh, hundred questions you want to ask Jason Garrett this morning because uh, they really did seem to be able to move the ball on the ground when they wanted to. Uh, you know, it, it, it did seem the one thing the Chiefs were able to do was contain the passing game. Um, you know, it, it, it's... it's uh, Every week, though, with the Giants, and specifically with the Giants' offense, there seems to be a, a bunch of questions that come attached to it. I mean, last week against Carolina was one glaring exception, but you know, then you ask yourself, was well, that more about the Giants or is that more about Carolina? And I think that we both know the answer to that question. Let me shift gears and talk about the Jets game on Sunday. Going into that game, look, Cincinnati had just come off not only beating Baltimore, they beat their brains out in Baltimore. Uh, look, I, I wasn't shocked that Cincinnati won the game. I was shocked with the way they won the game and how they just jammed it down their throat. And now all these people, if you remember on draft day, everybody was saying that the, the Bengals should have taken uh, the Sewell kid from Oregon, the tackle. And so they take Jamar Chase, who played with with uh, 
with his quarterback at LSU, and they drafted Chase. And I got right now, Jamar Chase is the offensive rookie of the year. He sure is, and uh, you know, obviously, him and Burrow had a great connection, a great chemistry at uh, LSU, and that's kind of carried over. And it makes you wonder. Um, why teams don't uh, exploit that more, <laughs> you know, when you think about it. I mean, you have, uh, you know, just, just just an unstoppable combination that won 15 games at LSU and just beat the tar out of people week after week. And, uh, you know, sometimes that translates. I know sometimes pro people are a little bit reluctant to believe their eyes when it comes to the college game. But uh, I think those two are really kind of uh, showing that you really can carry it over if you have a special kind of chemistry. And, Obviously, if you have the kind of talent to make that chemistry work. Mike White, fifth-round draft choice from Dallas, I think, four years ago, made his first NFL start, a memorable one and, and a historic one. Uh, he has 405 passing yards. That's the first time a guy, in his star, a guy has gone over 400 yards right Jets quarterback since Vinny Testaverde 21 years ago. I and mean, ironically, I was calling the Jets at the time to call that particular game. Uh, but he also caught a two-point conversion in the old um, Philly special, the throwback to the quarterback. This is creativity. It was, it was like when I, I'm watching the beginning of the game and, and if they, Mike White's coming out and he's throwing, I don't think his first nine passes, any one pass went more than 13 yards. Everything was short and, and yards after the catch. And I thought the game plan was exceptionally intelligent because that's the last thing Cincinnati was expecting. And of course, the thing to me, the question that uh, I, I immediately have, and you know, no all due respect to Mike White, who played terrific, but where was this creativity, and where were these game plans for Zach Wilson? When you know, the, 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 you know, the week before, after answering questions every day about how they need to simplify, make you know, make it more interesting, make plays, you know, more more appealing, you know, they start the game off run, run, short pass, punt. Um, now, was that on the quarterback or was that on the offensive coordinator? It's probably a little bit of both. But I did say, I did think, you know, immediately when I was watching when the, the players the Jets were calling, you know, the scripted first 15, it's, it, it did seem to me that they had been a little more inventive uh, on behalf of Mike White than they ever had been on behalf of Zach Wilson, which I thought was a little bit curious. Well, it was even more, well, to me, as much of a story as the game and the performance by White and the game calling of, of LaFleur, was Robert Sala in the post-game press conference when was asked about uh, what does this do to your quarterback situation? And he said, nothing, basically, he said, nothing's off the table. Were you surprised by that? I was, and I was surprised that he doubled down on it uh, a day later and basically said, look, I mean, you know, since it, it is what it is. If you guys want to make it a big deal, then I guess you'll make it a big deal. But you know what? It is a big deal. I mean, when, you know, I mean, there is a – tried and true tradition in, 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 in all sports that you don't lose your job for injury. And obviously there are exceptions to that as Tom Brady is the greatest example of that, I suppose. But um, it, it is curious that, uh, you know, that, 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 that he would say those things because it really does invite a quarterback controversy. And, uh, you know, he said it's a difference between a quarterback controversy and a quarterback injury. Well, to me, it's the same thing. People are going to be talking about who the quarterback should be. And uh, that's just something else that Zach Wolf is going to have to deal with. And look, I mean, you know, it's pro football, so I suppose you have to be—you have to wear your big boy pants for, you know, for, for, for at certain times. And you know, it's going to be that way for Zach Wilson. It'll be that way for Mike White if they decide to go back to Zach Wilson. But uh, it'll be really curious to see what happens if they win this week, or if they lose and you know Mike White is you know plays terrific again. 
because it's just going to be hard to, uh, you know, now that you've opened the door to the possibility that both quarterbacks are equal, uh, then it's going to be hard to back away from that, too. Well, here's uh, Mike White uh, after the game said the first guy to come up to him in the locker room was Zach Wilson, who gave him a big hug, uh, which, which was a good story. I mean, you know, Zach Wilson showing that, uh, you know, he's an adult and, and he did the right thing as a teammate. Uh, so now you got Thursday coming up, so it's a short week. You don't have a long time to enjoy what happened on Sunday, and you're going up against the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, I saw uh, Carson Wentz basically give a game away last week uh, with, with some obviously foolish plays that he made. He's, be, he's being tackled near the goal line and just gives the ball away. Turned out to be a pick six from a yard or two away. Uh, and Carson Wentz just basically just botched a game against Tennessee. And I'll, I'll be interested to see how Indianapolis comes out against the Jets this week because I, Jets, I think the Jets defensively can handle Carson Wentz. I'm just wondering if they're going to be able to handle Jonathan Taylor, who's an outstanding running back. Yeah, that's a fair question. Um, look, I mean, I, I, I think everything involving the Jets is, is, uh, is a challenge. I, I, but I think it's actually become – Look, when you, when you can sprinkle in a win once in a while, as it did this week, it makes that challenge a little bit interesting. I mean, I think, I, I think uh, you know, for the most part, recently, the challenge has been, can you keep a game close? And most of that answer has been no. But when you're coming off a win like this, I think the Jets will take whatever they can. I mean, yes, I mean, obviously, the, the, uh, you know, the running game presents its, 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 its problems. But, uh, you know, look, I mean, if, you, if, you're, if, you're, if you're not going to take advantage of momentum, uh, this is the time to do it because the Jets clearly are riding high and they feel as good about themselves probably as they felt in three years. So, Taking, I mean, you take a chance. I actually think it's not, a, it's not a bad time for a short week, you know, because, you know, why, you know, why, why sit on those, on, on those good feelings uh, for three extra days of practice? Why not try and see how, hmm. you know, how you can parlay that into a game right away? I mean, I don't know if that's scientific or if it makes, if it makes any sense at all, but to me, that's kind of the way I would look at it if I were playing for the Jets. He's uh, Mike Vaccaro of the New York Post, taking a bite of the Big Apple with Mike. Um, look, the, the, one of the characteristics of a good coach is game preparation, uh, getting your team ready to play, getting an understanding of what the opponent's going to do and so on. So you, you look at, at what Sal, and Sal is a defensive-minded coach. So they get, people would say, well, Cincinnati looked past the Jets. No, they really didn't because they went out to an 11-point lead and that lead was in the fourth quarter. So they, I can't say they looked past the Jets uh, by any stretch. I mean, uh, am I on the right track here, Mike? I, I, look, I mean, I, I think the Jets probably surprised them by scoring on their first possession because they hadn't done that in, you know, in over a year. Um, but, you know, look, I mean, right. I mean, the, the, the Bengals came right back. Um, you know, the Bengals led at half. They led, like you said, they led by... 11 points. So, I mean, I, I don't think it was a question of taking the Jets lightly or looking past them. I just think the Jets played well. And, and the Bengals didn't. I mean, the Bengals, you know, the Jets hadn't had an interception all year, and they picked the, the, you know, the, the absolutely most opportune time to get their first interception, you know, in the fourth quarter when they're able to, 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 to take the lead. So, uh, you know, so, look, sometimes you know, not everything can be explained away by, oh, we didn't play hard enough, oh, we didn't take them seriously enough. Sometimes a guy just says, you know, especially in a pro league, you know, as coaches have said from the beginning of time, those guys get paid too. And, you know, I realize that uh, there are good teams and there are bad teams, but in a pro league, the bad teams are occasionally going to rise up. And you saw that, you know, you see that, you know, 
every, every night in the NBA, you see it every night in the NHL, you see it every night in Major League Baseball, and every now and again you see it in, in, in the NFL, and you certainly saw that uh, with the Jets. I mean, uh, the Jets and Bengals played ten times this year. They probably the Bengals probably would win nine of them, but you know that's not how it always goes. But you know, in, in, a, in a league where everybody gets paid. Let's go from the oblique spheroid to the round ball. Uh, and the Knicks uh, were sitting atop the division. They still are. But they go to Madison Square Garden last night and host a Toronto team that did not have their best player uh, and uh, and the young rookie also. And they go up by 15 points. And you're just saying, well, what's going to be the final margin? They're going to win by 20, 25. Julius Randle has 18 points in the first quarter. I think he scored four points the rest of the game. And the Knicks lose to a Toronto team. Uh, that you thought was going to get blown out of Madison Square Garden. I, I can't, you know, I know it's one out of 82, and these things are going to happen, but the way the Knicks have been going defensively, their defense is what let them down last night. Yeah, I think I think the, the Raptors scored something like 50 points in a 12-minute 12, 12, uh, period, which is, which is uh, you, know, you know, Tom, Tom Thibodeau probably uh, didn't sleep last night, probably won't sleep at night, because that's the kind of stuff that drives him nuts. Um, and you're right. Well, part of it is one out of 82. I, look, I think part of it, you know, the Knicks have lost two games this year, and frankly, they shouldn't have lost either one of them. I mean, they lost, they lost two home games. One was to the was to, was to the Raptors, as you were saying, they were shorthanded. One was to the Magic, who's one of the worst teams in basketball. I, I do think what it shows is that the Knicks are, you know, while they are, you know, as with last year, they have, they, they, they've definitely changed their culture. They definitely have a different out, attitude, different outlook. But they're still a team that uh, cannot afford to coast and, you know, needs to play at its best every game out, no matter who they're playing. I, I do think there's a little bit of that they play, you know, to the level of their competition, and that's kind of a problem uh, for the Knicks. But, uh, you know, look, I mean, and then there are a lot of things about the Knicks which make you feel good, but there are a lot of things. Look, I mean, they're, they're, they're five and two. They can easily be two and five. And, you know, they, 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 they almost blew a game inexplicably against the Bulls last week. The same way they almost blew opening that against the Celtics. That's a problem. You know, how do they you know, keep blowing these big leads late in games? Um, you know, and yet they also looked pretty good for 48 minutes against the Sixers. So I think, that's, I think that just tells you what you're going to have with the Knicks. I mean, you know, it's not a team. It's really kind of a simple thing with them. I mean, they have to, they have to commit on defense every night. Um, they have to commit to each other every night. Uh, so, you know, a little bit of what they do is tickled because they, they rely so heavily so far on the three-point ball. But, you know, they can overcome that uh, if, you know, if they just keep playing, doing their fundamentals. And I think that's what got away from against Toronto because that was definitely not a Knicks-like or a Thibodeau-like effort uh, on defense. We'll see what happens tomorrow when they go to Indiana and play Rick Carlisle, the new head coach of the Indiana Pacers. They're a banged-up basketball team that's struggling right now. So we'll see how the Knicks come out. Let me go across the river to the Nets. And it's not about what's going on on the court. It continues to be Kyrie Irving. Uh, I know you probably have some thoughts about this whole scenario, but this soap opera cannot continue for the entire season. It doesn't make any sense. I firmly believe that if ownership and Sean Marks, the general manager, decide that they're going to move away from Kyrie Irving and trade him, you know they're going to go to Kevin Durant and get him to sign off on it because of the relationship Durant has with Irving. Yeah, it's, 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 it's pretty clear that, uh, that that's that, that's a firm alliance. Um, look, I mean, Kyrie is Kyrie. And, you know, part of the thing that, uh, that we've said from the moment that he became a net is when you sign on for Kyrie, you sign on for all of Kyrie. And some of that is brilliant. 
know, the, 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 when, you, when he brings the unit on the court is, you know, second to none in a lot of ways. But the other stuff, you know, is stuff you have to deal with. I mean, you know, the Nets got a, got a real, you know, got, got an arm load of that last year. And they're getting an arm load of it this year. And it's, uh, you know, right now it, 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 it's causing the product to suffer. Um, it'll be interesting to see how this progresses. I mean, you know, it's it's uh, it's it's it, it, it's it's a definitely unique thing. It's it's not like it's not like a balky ankle or or a bum knee. You know, I mean, this is something that, you know, by right, you know, in theory at least, could be could be settled in about five minutes if 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 if, if Kyrie wanted it to be. Um, but uh, you know, things are never that easy with Kyrie, and that's you know, also one of the things you sign up with when you agree to have him on your team. Well, you know, you look at his talent, and he's top 10 player in the NBA. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. So you kind of look the other way up to a point. And so now uh, they, they could get to a point, and I don't know if, if they get off to a slug. And right now you have to say they're off to a sluggish start. Now they've got, they got Atlanta tonight, uh, and <laughs> Trey Young comes in, the old Madison Square Garden favorite Trey Young. <laughs> and so it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to see how they perform against Atlanta. But if it's me, and look, I called Boston Celtics basketball. I talked to my old partner, Cedric Maxwell. I said, when Kyrie was in Boston, what was that like? He said, the team threw a party when he left. That told me all I needed to know. That's like, you know, that, 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 that's what you get with him. It's, 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 it's a lot of good and a lot of bad. And, you know, you hope that at the end of the day, the good outshakes the bad. Sometimes it does. And, you know, I think Cleveland will always have a soft spot in its heart for Kyrie, because without him, they don't uh, end their championship drought, and you take the bad. And I think the Celtics uh, obviously saw what happened when, uh, you know, when uh, when they added Kyrie to their mix. I mean, they came tantalizingly close, but at the end, it uh, it didn't matter because he was, you know, just enough of a distraction to sabotage uh, what might have been their best chance to uh, to get to the finals. Well, if with Kyrie, they can win it all. Without Kyrie, can they? I think without Kyrie, they can get to the finals. I think it'll be hard for them to win it all. But, uh, you know, I also think that without Kyrie, I mean, you're asking now, you know, you're just, you're, just, you're just reducing your margin of error. And, you know, when you're talking about a team whose two primary assets are a little long in the tooth, uh, that's, that, that's asking for trouble. You know, I mean, Harden obviously was compromised last year in the playoffs. I mean, you know, why, why would you believe that it's not going to be the same case this year after a long grinding season? If he's not going to get hurt, he's certainly going to be vulnerable in Durant the same way. So um, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a lot harder path for them to hoe without Kyrie, that's for sure. It seems to me, Mike, uh, talking to Mike Vaccaro of the New York Post, seems to me that uh, if you got something to say, you write a book. And if you write a book, you can make a little money. Well, in your paper this morning, there's, a, uh, uh, there's a, an exploration of Unguarded, the book that Scottie Pippen has written. And we both remember the great Chicago Bulls-Knicks rivalries, you know, during the Michael Jordan era and so on. And Pippen comes out in this book, and basically he said a couple of things. Number one, that he and Michael Jordan were not that close. Number two, he was not, uh, he, he said he didn't learn that much from Phil Jackson. Uh, I mean, I'm reading this article last night, and I remember talking to Sam Smith in Chicago, as you well know, was very close to the Chicago Bulls situation. When I read what I read today about Pippen, and I remember, and you do too, when he refused to go into a game because the play wasn't called from for him, Phil Jackson called the play for Tony Kukoc in a playoff game, and he decided not to go into the game. Right then and there, I lost my respect for the man. 
it's a uh, yeah. I, I, I will say this. I mean, none of what I read surprised me because I mean, Scotty's kind of come across as a little bit of a malcontent for years, and I think a little jealous of of the other people who had higher, I think, levels of fame than he did for that run. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, look, I mean, Scotty Pippen was a great player. I don't think anybody wanted to play against him. The Bulls wouldn't have been the Bulls without him. But uh, yeah, I, I, I feel badly because I just don't think he's ever been terribly happy for what. For a career that should have made him happy. I mean, I think he always felt he was underpaid, and he, you know, look, I mean, looking at it objectively, he was always grossly underpaid. So I think that always colors a little bit of his of, of his memory and his opinion about, you know, what his experience was like there. But uh, you know, it's it's his uh, it, it's it's his life, and it's his uh, it's his book. So I guess he can say whatever he wants in it. But uh, that's uh, kind of a kind of a shame. Yeah, he comes off like a whiner. He really does. Yeah. Uh, he, he claims he didn't have a relationship with Michael Jordan, but yet when Michael Jordan's father was killed, he didn't offer his condolences. I, I really? Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, it's, uh, it's uh, I, again, I mean, to me, I wasn't terribly surprised to see any of this. I mean, it, it, it's unfortunate, and, uh, you know, you'd like to think in the fairytale version of real life that those those two would be, uh, you know, would be, would be sharing cigars twice a week, but that's clearly not the way it's going to be or ever will be or ever was. So exactly how far uh, is St. Bonaventure going this year in college basketball? Well, I'll tell you what, I'm very excited. It's the first time they've been ranked in 50 years, and uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm just going to enjoy the ride. I mean, last year was nerve-wracking, and they got in. I'm looking at this year as kind of house money. I mean, you never can tell in college basketball, especially, you know, mid-majors, you know, you know, an injury here, a bad break there, and, you know, the narrative has changed. But I'm just going to enjoy it while it lasts. Uh, uh, because it never does, <laughs> but uh, it's going to be a fun year, I think. I really do. I really like this team. And they have all the five, all five of their starters back. They have a interesting bunch of new guys coming in trying to add to the mix, and they have a. And Mark Schmidt, they have one of the best coaches in the country. So uh, I'm going to enjoy uh, every minute of this while it lasts. Well, I got an old friend of mine went to St. Bonaventure. You might have heard of him, Bob Lanier. Yes, uh, he was. He, he had he had a fairly good uh, good time in his four years of school there, as I recall. <laughs> I did some NBA playoff games with Lanier for NBA Radio back in the 90s. I don't think I ever laughed harder than working with this man. I mean, he is hilarious. He's a really good guy, and, uh, you know, I was on campus with him not long ago, and uh, he's still the king of St. Bonaventure. I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's remarkable to watch people and, and how they respond to him. He's just a very nice man who obviously uh, put that place a little bit on the map, and uh you know, continues to really be a great ambassador for the school, which is uh, which is really wonderful to see. Always great talking to you, Mike. Thanks again for your time, and, and you stay safe. Thanks, Howard. You too. Thanks so much for having me on. He's Mike Vaccaro of the New York Post, taking a bite of the Big Apple with Mike. <laughs> Bob Lanier was a pip. Working NBA Finals games with him, and I mean, I would call the play, and he would come in with some commentary, and I went, What? He's a character, hell of a player. I mean, he was a hell of a player for the Detroit Pistons. You know, they. I'm surprised they didn't win more and win, win big. But, I mean, with Lanier, you had Dave Bing, another friend of mine, and a great player, top top player of all time. So, yeah, it's uh, these are the people that cross your paths during the course of your life. Yeah.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.